0: Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mangum Watches. I'm Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by BJ. BJ, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. And I've got Levi as well. Levi, what's happening today? Living the dream. And I've got my Mangum Talks TV co-host, Spencer. Spencer, how's it going?
1: I'm in my usual state of surly.
0: Okay, that's good. So that's exactly (laughs) where we want you because we're going to do a movie review today. We are going to talk about The first Friday, the 13th movie. So we are continuing on our trend of watching horror movies, but not just any horror movies, kind of the the OG, the origination for some of the uh, horror movie franchises. So we started with Child's Play 1. We have now moved on to Friday, the 13th, the original movie. I believe it's a 1980 movie. came out in 1980, the Mm -hmm. very first Friday, the 13th. And before we jumped on the call, we we were already bickering and fighting about the quality of this movie. Uh, Spencer, I believe you wanted to come out hot right away with your take.
1: No, 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 no. You started this off. This is a film that is near and dear to your heart. I want to hear your comments first so that I can bury them in the ground. And
2: just just for everybody, you know, we're we're recording this on a Sunday morning. It's not anywhere near Friday the 13th. Um, And so, Spencer, I actually do want to know, did you do what I did, which is watch uh, yet another horror film at (laughs) ungodly hours on a Sunday morning? Yes. Yes, I did. Very shortly before we started recording. This is getting to be a very interesting habit. There's something about watching horror movies on the Sunday morning that makes them a lot funnier.
1: (laughs) You know, it has a certain appeal to be able to watch a horror film while you're eating breakfast and brushing your teeth. That's a different element to it.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, I want to just right off the bat, like deal with this characterization that Spencer had there of me. uh, This is my movie somehow or that this is something that I wanted to do. Um, all I said is that I didn't, I kind of like the movie. I think that that now firmly, firmly places me in like, this was your idea. You terrible man for putting this on me. You, you've um, also watched it many times. Well, I've been watched it multiple times, but like, I mean, you know, there was, a. I mean, I'm, I'm 35 and these movies, I mean, Friday the 13th, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. Charles play i mean there's a reason that we're doing these movie franchises right they were sailing our age group and like when i was growing up like the jason movies were like very much in the zeitgeist of like middle school boys and like what they talked about like it was like girls sports and horror movies like that's what was like kind of the trifecta and we talked about the jason movies a lot so obviously i've seen this one and uh this one really starts the obviously starts the lore and the, and it really sets i mean i felt like this movie and we can get into the plot here in a minute but I felt like this one set up for a sequel better than Child's Play one. Like, I didn't think, because I, I, I asked the movie to you guys, like when, when I asked the question to you guys, when we were reviewing Child's Play, like, does it, after you watch this, does it really make sense that it spawned like 10 sequels? Right. And I asked, I asked it because I was also thinking about movies like Friday the 13th, right. Where I, I watched this movie. And, and if you watch it in a silo, it like to me, it makes a lot of sense that they spawned a bunch of sequels. It felt like they wrote it, with the sequel in mind, as opposed to child's play, where it was like, well, we spent the last 20 minutes fucking killing this character. I'm like it, that should be the end of it. Or at least that's how I kind of viewed it.
1: I will absolutely agree with you. that They intended to create a series for this. This thing was made for the purpose of making a series for it. I having rewatched it for the first time in 20 years, can't understand how that was able to be successfully pulled off from how utterly boring this initial film is in terms of starting off this series. I, I guess my I read a little background. I don't think it was intended to be like
2: the the ending made it easy to jump off into a series, but that was not per se intended and a happenstance of a bad director decision more than anything else.
0: Well, they barely had enough movie money to make this one. Right. So I don't think that they were like, all right, well, let's green light like a four movie deal. Right. But I do think that they wrote it in a way like, no, like it was pretty tongue in cheek. Like, well, we could, we could definitely keep this going if we wanted to.
1: Yes. The the last scene is very much intentionally trying to say he's still out there. We haven't seen him really in this film, but he's still out there. It could happen to purposely keep open their options. If this was a successful, essentially repeat of the magic, that was the original
3: Halloween. So B.J., I hear you. I'm, I'm going to come on the side of the the other gents here. They, they I think it's pretty obvious that this is a marketing event, right? Um, like if you read about the, the development of the film, apparently they took out an ad in Variety before the script had even been completed. Um, they're trying to sort of get on, get on this wave of, of, of slasher films. Um, oh, yeah. I think the intention there was that let's keep the door open, right? You have mm-hmm. make, make a sure. little bit of money. We're going to keep that door open. We're not, not going to paint us off into a hole. Um, now, with Child's Play, we saw that it didn't matter, right? You just, Right. Do whatever it 100 it yeah. doesn't yeah. matter. Fugle, but also,
2: Fugle. the script co- took two weeks to write, so it's not like the the ad it, it was was particularly premature in in this you know long script writing process to to finishing the movie.
0: So, all right, first off, you you throw out it took two weeks to 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 write, and I can see the smile on your face, like that's like a, you're like you're, you're shitting on it, and that's fair. Nobody's going to say that this is like fucking Orwellian, right? But what I am going to say is that like. It was not uncommon for scripts to be banged out pretty quickly back then because movies were were coming out very very quickly they were greenlit, they were low budget a lot of them um and so like the idea that this didn't take that long to write uh is not too like too off the off the needle for what was going on back then but i I do have a question for for all you guys um this so we we kind of talked about the two different like endings right where child's blades like they spent the last 20 minutes fucking killing the guy it's supposed to be like okay this is we wrapped it up it's done or at least that was my read on it. This one, they've kind of opened the door to a potential sequel. Oh, he's still out there. When you're watching a horror movie, do you like when they kind of, the, that last five minutes is sort of the final fright? Like that, I mean, it's a trope, right? Like the last five minutes of like, oh, hold on, the bad guy really wasn't gotten and he's still out there. Do we all like that? Or is it is it just hokey at this point?
1: I don't really like it. I roll my eyes whenever it happens. It's such a ho- it, It's it's become such just a common trope now that, oh, the, the, the sequel is open, the, the saga continues. It always just comes across as rather hammy to me. I'd like I'd like a film to be you know conclusive to be successful or conclusive in its own right, or at least just not make it so tongue in cheek the way they kind of do them nowadays but to uh, leave the options open for a sequel. But not that they ever even really needed it. I mean, they've straight up blown up these guys into little tiny pieces before,
3: and they still find a way to bring them back for the sequel. For sure. So, I would generally agree that it's done very poorly. Um, in principle, I like it. Right? Like this. This is possibly. I don't know if I've got, like, a, a top 10 list, but this this has got to be, like, in, in the pantheon of, like, leaving the door open moments, right? Like, there's this ominous move. It's very subtle. Um, it, they don't actually show Jason in a sense. Like, they they, they show a, 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 a dream of something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably the best, the most cinematographically, like, nice way of doing it, sophisticated way of doing it. Um, so this is absolutely amazing, but Spencer, you're absolutely right. It can t- t- be done in a very hokey well, manner um, well, and it's not very fun.
1: Well, one thing to agree on with this one is that there's kind of two different ones when it comes to the end of this film. There's the dream sequence, when very iconic, I it, when suddenly the animated corpse of Jason leeches out, reaches out of the water and pulls her off the canoe. And then there's the scene after that in the mental ward of where she literally says he's still out there. And the yeah. camera just kind of fuzzes out afterwards it's almost like they're doing
3: two different ones yeah well I, I mean I, I think it, it it was a very artsy way to end the movie right you end the movie on the lake and there's a little bit of subtle bubbling up from the water it's not quite yeah. clear wh- whether it's, it's it's from Jason or not it's just some subtle movement in the water um, sure. like that's that's an artsy move right that's that that's not over the top which is the stuff that you don't like um, like th- this is this is this is good stuff. Um, now, the actual plot of the movie is pretty, pretty hot garbage, um, but that part, the very end, that was very artistic.
0: I have pretty another sure. question for you guys. Uh, no, go ahead. Now, yeah. you, you were going to kick the question to BJ. Go ahead, Spencer. Uh
2: Yeah, so it's like, it can be fine. Uh, I guess I interpreted it a little bit less as a, I mean, to me, it was less clear as a dream sequence and more of a, like, it could be, this is what happened, then she passed out and was committed to an asylum, but I, I do agree with you that that, that it's a bit played out um, and can get hokey. Uh, it's fine. Like, at, you know, sort of at the end of movies or horror movies in general, like, you know, the work isn't completed. Um, you know, it's no uh, 30 minutes after the movie is over and you're playing around in Hobbit town and, and, you know, everybody gets their, their lovely little send off that, that takes forever. And it's a very clear ending.
0: Um, man, you've really found a way to shit on Lord of the Rings. Like where, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing,
1: you want to talk about played out tropes. I'm indifferent to his, to his his barbs. Now I'm throwing out too much, BJ.
0: Got him. Uh, (laughs) All right. Another question for you guys. Um, Do we, is this the first movie that really created that genre of, okay, um, let's just get some, some teenagers or 20 somethings together. They're going to have sex and people are going to die. Like, because I feel like that became such a like tropey slashy movie of like, okay, they go to like the tent to have sex and then bang, the bad guy comes out and stabbed them right? I feel like this movie might've been the first one of that because it got so popular that it became like parody, right? Like scary movie franchise, I think was like predicated on making fun of that idea of like, well, you get to like hot early 20 somethings together and they have sex and then the guy is murdered afterwards.
2: So I will say that it didn't quite feel like I mean there is sort of the like because they're having sex they're they're getting killed. It didn't quite feel like that in this movie. Um it was more like they're alone now. That it wasn't it wasn't the like anybody that was sort of alone or separated from the group ended up getting killed
1: as opposed to like they're committing the sin and so they have to die. I think they almost emphasize that more in the sequels. It's it's an element of this. It's the main motivation of the murderer, as we turn out, that yeah. people are distracted doing this. But I think it's become kind of part of the popular consciousness that this was like the trope codifier of that kind of focus in a horror film is that the kids that have sex die. Wasn't the first, I mean, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Hills Have Eyes came out years before this. But I think this is like the popular consciousness moment that focused on it because it's in this one, the killer's main motivation and then in all the sequels, if you go have sex, you die immediately. Whereas in this one, not many people were killed having sex. It's almost like afterwards, or
3: when other people were off on their own. Yeah, I mean, don't don't disagree. I mean, I I I think you're. I mean, it's avoiding the main motivation, right? So like, it's it, it's intrinsic to all of it. Um, so I I don't see there being a distinction without a difference, right? It's uh, sex typically happens when two people are together, uh, except with you know. Um, some people who have wild exotic things. I don't know, Spencer, if that's you or not, um, who knows, Different um, podcasts. We'll for, for um, yeah. uh, the, the manga midnight podcast is coming out later in the year.
0: Midnight. <laughs> Let's do it. Brand it. Right. Up. <laughs>
3: T-shirts. That's very good marketing. Spencer. Kudos <laughs> for you. Um, I mean, sort of intrinsic to the whole thing. Um, but so Terry, do you, do you want to run through the plot before we keep going on about random things about this movie?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, who who wants to take the plot?
1: I, I'll I'll take it in broad strokes. This is a this is a plot that is it should take on the back twenty of minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, there is a camp. It is you know, it's a real camp in New Jersey. We start in the in the late fifties of where I think it's nineteen fifty-eight. Two counselors go off to have sex, and as is the common trope in this film, they are interrupted and killed by the cameraman. Most of the deaths in this film are camera approaches. Somebody screams. It cuts out. That's really how most of them play out. These two kind of go somewhere. I think one of them stabbed. The girl screams at the camera. We cut to 20-something years later of where a young girl has seemingly, I guess, been dropped off by the bus outside of town and is trying to make her way to a summer camp, which is just now reopening after decades of difficulties. There were the murders back in the 50s. There was a boy that drowned in 57. Random point. Never going to come up again. There were various other fires and electrical issues. The, camp, the fa- same family's owned it, but has never been able to get it started again. But the son's trying once more and has hired all these camp counselors for the purpose of getting the camp ready to go for when the summer season starts. She's trying to hitchhike her way in. She stops at a local, it's, it looks like, it looks like, diner, a, com- it's think. like a combination diner slash corner store. Mm-hmm. And she says, hey, I'm trying to get to this camp. And we get that classic horror trope moment of where all the locals immediately almost you can hear the record scratch even though it's not happening it's like oh that's a bad place don't really want to go there and then there, you get crazy ralphie there's the cra- have to have crazy have to have the crazy local <laughs> that's another trope this film kind of really worked with heavily um, do you want to
0: say as you're going through that like there's obviously a lot of like tropes here and i don't I, I, i'm not it, it, like scholarly enough the tropes yeah i'm not scholarly enough to know if they were playing on existing tropes or they created them because they obviously created some here right what? but like the one of you have some bit character or maybe even a main character who is traveling through the town saying, can I, I'm trying to get to that cabin or I'm trying to get to that camp or whatever it is. Yeah. And they're at a gas station or something. Right. And then the person goes, Oh, you don't want to go down there. What hand up guys, that one works for me. I'm just going to say that what always creeps me out and I've always enjoyed it.
1: That one works for me. It can be, it can be played out better. I, honestly, the first part of this film at this moment is pretty barrel. This it, it, this pretty quickly cool works for me. I actually like the guy that actually drives her to the, to, to, like one yeah. third of the way to the camp and just sets her off in front of the cemetery. It's like, here's a crossroads, like go, go figure out the rest of the way on your own. One of the best ways to look at this film is that it didn't really invent anything. It wasn't trying to, it's like the distillation of all the horror tropes into a way that everyone now recognizes them because of this film. Cause it was just putting them all together in a way of repackaging them. Yeah. So didn't really, didn't really start them, but it made them distinct and famous, but She stops. There's the crazy Ralphie dude who just randomly rides a bike and his wife is worried about him. Because when he drinks, he goes Mm -hmm. telling people like, oh, like, play surprisingly little role in this film, as it turns out, other than to make kind of ominous tension. But a guy in an oil truck takes her about a third of the way there, tells her a little bit of the lore about the camp, tells her all these bad things have happened. You really shouldn't go there. You're just a stupid kid. She laughs it off the kind of a pleasant moment. He drops her in front of a cemetery, also seemingly in the middle of nowhere. Girl never even gets close to the camp. And as she just says the accident, he drives off. She starts hoofing at the rest of the way there. We got to the camp itself of where it's a lot of, I will say these people are supposed to be Eight, 18, probably all 18, probably what they're going for think, here. They're definitely maybe not, maybe, but I think that's the goal. Also. Ambiguous teen.
0: Well, it's gotta <laughs> yeah. be teen, right? Cause like 25 year olds don't go to summer camp.
1: Well, they're, they're the counselors. They're the counselors, yeah.
0: But he, yeah. But there's still like an age gap, like you, because you don't have old counselors, right?
1: Yeah, I most mean, most counselors I, I, I went to a, summer, a couple summer camps growing up were like you know sixteen to nineteen kind of range. Yeah, was, I would guess like, like they could age. be in college, but eh. it, they're purposely ambiguous for the sake of this, the amount of
2: sex in this movie. Um...
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and also like weirdly every like every dude is shirtless like when you first meet him in the camp like doing things that
1: shirtless and, sh- and, and jean shorts. Ooh, with a shorts. very, with a very late '70s mustache to boot. Um yeah. most of the plot from here is pretty damn irrelevant. It's the kids are setting up the camp. Uh, the one guy who's actually the owner is away for most of it. He's going to town to pick up supplies. A storm rolls in to disrupt things, and the kids just try to buy their time, buy their time while they don't really have much else to do. During which, an unseen force starts picking them off one by one in various ways, which. What we I think I think one of, the, one of the first ones we actually lose is actually the girl that's hitchhiking that's trying to get to the camp to be a counselor. She dead. doesn't get to the camp. Uh, she, a jeep rolls up and then she runs away and then she's dead. She gets slashed; you get her throat slashed in the woods. We very purposely With bow and ne- knife. we very purposely never see much of the killer other than briefly their hands and their arms, which are uh, definitely not definitely degendered, which is kind of hilarious. Yeah, the the, the, the cameraman. Um, But in terms of the actual playing out of the plot, each of the kids is then killed off in various ways until we come really much to the reveal at the end of the film. We can play out some of the kills, but those some of them are memorable enough, like Kevin Bacon getting an arrow shoved up through a bed through his throat. It's pretty iconic, just Mm -hmm. for reasons, because it's one of Kevin Bacon's first roles and he's getting murdered brutally. A girl getting an axe embedded in her head. Several people getting killed with arrows because it's a camp and they've got plenty of those around. But in terms of our cast- The sharpened
2: spatula one was pretty great. Sharp. Sure, there was the sharp. That that, that, that to me really stuck out as like, wait, what is that? Stuck That's out a st- and stuck in. Okay,
1: sure. Uh, I you uh, know I, I guess you should get rid of the Bowie knife and, and it, go for this bachelor. In terms of our designated murder victims, did any of them stand out to you other than the fact it was young Kevin Bacon?
3: Uh, not really. Um, the hitchhiker uh, girl, I think Annie was her name. Um, yeah. I, I thought she was just like a breath of fresh air, like like super sweet and just like you know happy go lucky. So like that part is a little bit. Um, rougher whereas the rest of the people they didn't have a a sort of overwhelming uh charisma that that really stood out to me so
2: the one woman who i think survived to the end that that seemed to be the love interest of the dude that owned the camp but was like trying to leave to california and stayed for no particular reason and got caught up in strip monopoly but didn't strip for whatever reason what else do camp counselors
1: do when they're bored i don't know
0: whatever (laughs) um but- i think the the jack murder with the with the throat thing got me but the, uh i will say that the um this movie does so um horror movies have changed my behavior in life i just want to just admit this to you guys so psycho um made me get a clear shower curtain so i always had a clear <laughs> shower curtain all my life I always had clear shower curtain okay um this one, if I'm ever getting in a bunk bed, I'm checking the, other. if I'm getting up, I'm checking below. If I'm getting below, I'm checking up. Always just change, change the behavior after I watch the movie. Just gonna point that out. Like so it's film.
2: interesting that you bring up Psycho because this is basically the
1: opposite movie, right? Let, 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 let's get to the real. All, all the kids but one are killed in various ways. What Did you guys have a favorite death? I mean, for me, it's Kevin Bacon in the era, but did you guys have a favorite one going through this? That's probably the most. Yeah, that's probably number one. one. Yeah. Most of the deaths are kind of lame. I mean, the, the deaths got better later in the series because it said, most of the time, it's the cameraman approaches. Sometimes even the person recognizes them, which is a fun enough twist. And then the person screams and the death mostly usually happens off camera. And typically we just see the body appear later in various ways. Deeper. Um, For our reveal, our reveal is, is that an old woman or a middle-aged woman arrives at the camp later on indicates she has got some prior history there. And it's revealed that she is the mother of that wayward mentioned 1957 drowning, that i mentioned her, that I said earlier mm-hmm. of where two counselors were off having sex. They were distracted. Kid went out alone, fell in, drowned, and she has forever kind of haunted this camp since punishing all the lax sex focused counselors that allowed such a thing to happen generation after generation. Mm-hmm. she's returned now that they're looking to reopen the camp to inflict holy vengeance on the latest crop of these irresponsible kids and she attempts to not too successfully once she's now revealed herself yeah um, the, the bitch slaps were kind of funny um uh, <laughs> they were really revealed, funny it's it just like what is going on it, it, it's a straight up girls fight until until ultimately our heroine straight up decapitates the girl the um it's what, what's her name it's, not, it's mrs Voorhees, but what, i don't remember the name yeah. of the character. Maybe Pamela? Uh, I'll look that one up easy. but um, Yeah, Pamela. In terms of acting in this film, there's not much of a high low well, Everybody's kind of amateur footage in terms of most of this. But the actress who plays Mrs. Voorhees is, for me, the nader. I find her lines and her line reading kind of nails on chalkboard for mo- for most of it. And she's the, uh, the headliner. So <laughs> there's can, that. For, from my perspective, she was kind of phoning it in. It, it's a fun enough twist, and you just said, BJ. It's a reverse. It's a reverse Hitchcock in the sense that rather than it's the son dressing up like his mom to commit murders, a la psycho, it's the mom essentially channeling her son to commit murders on his behalf.
0: Yeah, with There's even theories about that when I was growing up as to as to how that really worked.
1: And what, what were your theories?
0: Well, I, I just remember one of one of the popular ones was that it like Jason could like transfer bodies like uh well that explains some of the sequels so Mm -hmm. um like you know kind of like a retroactive theory so like it was maybe like actually his presence like working in the mother or whatever i don't know
1: one one credit i will give the film and which has i was was not particularly addressing as i was going through the various murders and events one marker of a particularly of this era a quality slasher film is an appropriate musical refrain associated with your killer something that's iconic something that's memorable one yeah. thing this film does perfectly, and I will give absolute kudos to the sound design for is the killer's refrain. That little song motif of ch, 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 kill is, kill kill
3: kill kill ma. ma, ma. That's it's fantastic. It's
1: totally not ma. It's totally not, but I know the sound designer says that. Um, but it is really well done, it is very memorable, it's appropriately tense and absolutely deserve credit for that. It is appropriately, even if you have never even seen one of the films of this series. You've probably heard that associated with someone stalking up and trying to murder somebody.
2: Yeah, I mean that and uh, the like psycho uh, strings. Like those are like
1: some of the super iconic. uh, Several of these have very much iconic things. Like Mike Myers' little piano refrain is also very memorable too. It's also
2: kind of funny. They definitely pulled from Jaws for some of the uh, you know killer creeping up on, on on these victims kind of stuff, which I thought was really funny. Well,
1: this, I wouldn't exactly, I'll go so far as to say, this film was kind of brazen and just pulling from everything. The, Friday the 13th came yeah. out like, I'm sorry, Halloween came out like two, three years before this and it made incredible amounts of money off a limited budget. I think it made like 70, $80 million in a $350,000 budget. And so all the studios suddenly went, we've got to make these. Jaws was incredibly successful. It's said, well, people want to see young people murdered on screen. Let's make another one. They put the money into this. They borrowed tropes from everything. They packaged it up. They sold it. And it made like $60 million in a $500,000 budget. It did great. It created its own series. But in terms of wrapping up the plot, Mrs. he shows up. She's channeling her son. Levi, as you said, this apparently repeated musical refrain is her actually, in some ways, hearing her son repeat to herself, kill, 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 ma, 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 apparently in, in short and firm. She tries to pursue her heroine. It doesn't work out of that far. She's decapitated in rather brutal fashion, like straight up full head removed kind of That thing. was a really
2: funny, like I understand that the, the budget for special effects was not high here. Um, I And you can sort of see it in a number of places. Uh, th- this was, uh, it reminded me of some of the not so great special effects from like Hobo with a Shotgun or, or, or like very, very, you know, not even B-movie. Quality special effects.
1: Uh, <laughs> they had five hundred thousand dollars, and they did. They filmed. They filmed it in a summer camp with people just kind of walking about. They they were working with what they got. Yes. As part of killing her, our heroine gets out on a canoe, and we have one of what probably the scene that most people actually remember about this film. I mean, a lot of people have seen it. It, f- it created a great series. Most people was really focused on the sequels, really starting with predator the Thirteenth Part Two, rather than this one. But this scene out in the canoe, a lot of people write down and remember of where it's in the morning, it's purposefully idyllic. There's even like a little cheesecloth filter on the lens kind of thing. The sun is shining, the police are showing up, everything is going to be great for our heroine. She kind of reaches up to wave and then suddenly the animated corpse of Jason, who has not previously appeared in this film, leaps up out of the water, grabs her, pulls her in, and then we have a, a very shock cut to her in a mental asylum ward, of where it's revealed that that was maybe possibly ish a dream, and we get our kind of sequel hook on the idea of where she asks where Jason was, and the police say no, or we haven't seen Jason. And he's like, oh, he's still out there. Leave it, like you said, very I'll agree, artfully done decision of not showing his hand reaching out out of the water, not showing him suddenly appear, but just a little bubbling at the bottom of the creek to leave open a bit of potential and ambiguity. Um. Is there anything really to add to the plot from there or that kind of address it? That sums it up, buddy. Okay. Um, re- reactions. I've kind of, I'll, I'll start things off. Um, I had seen this many years ago. I'm quite fond of the series itself, but I hadn't rewatched this one since the first time I watched it decades ago. I've rewatched Friday the 13th Part 2 and several of the other ones many times. They're a, a load of fun. This one, I didn't even really thought about why I'd avoided it. And rewatching it, I now remember why it commits the carnal sin in my mind of horror films in that it's boring. It's carnal sin, really, dull. Spencer? It's dull. It mm-hmm. just plods. There are is very little tension. The murders aren't particularly, you know, exotic or fun the way that a lot of horror films focus on later. And it's almost just desperately hoping for something to happen. Just so that you can get some degree of adrenaline fix to keep going through the film. It creates a base of lore that's fun to work with. It's got an interesting enough twist about who the murderer is, even though I found her acting abhorrent. And it's got a fun enough twist to set up at the very end, a memorable enough scene with Jason out on the water to you know set up a great franchise to follow. But this one, I'm legitimately surprised it did as well as it did, and how successful it was in creating a multi-million dollar franchise to follow for just how plotting it is as a film to itself
0: so i'm going to make a comparison here um that i'll alienate two of my co-hosts here immediately so this is the george Mikan of horror movies to me um old school old school basketball player from i think maybe the 50s or something like that if you ever watched george Mikan play he's a big burly seven he's like one of the first og centers who played in basketball but if you watch him after you've watched Shaq or, you know, Akeem Olajuwon or Patrick Hewitt or some of the, the other uh, big men that, that came in the game later, it's very boring to watch the man play basketball. But, you know, you can see a lot of uh, you can see a lot of his game in 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 what some of the big guys have done since. So I'm going to say that it's like the George Mike in a four movies. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the movie that is co-opted and done better later. Um but you have to give it credit for having, if not creating some stuff, at least doing it in a way that is um, copied later and, uh, and, and very much uh, creating sort of a genre.
1: And I'll give it credit for that. But I think it even goes beyond the just 70s, 80s kind of slow horror film, which is just endemic of that particular era, is that a lot of those have still stood the test of time just because they have other things that get you through them. Like Alien is slow. It's purposely slow. But it's got great acting and well-built tension that goes into the moments that take, that take you through that, that kind of a, a quality filmmaking that goes into the production. We'll, we'll, we'll watch, you know, the original Halloween. We'll watch that we'll watch on Elm Street, which I do like as films. They've got slow moments and various other issues, but they're better made productions. This is kind of reaching the level of like Blair Witch Project in terms of just the amount of <laughs> what it seems like craft that went into this. It's almost just like they took cameras out in the woods and had amateur actors. So i mean that's if, exactly if, what they did yeah
0: if they, it makes have it a, to
1: bear. if they didn't have a steady count then you know it
2: would have
0: been blair witch project a little bit too early so, so i'm gonna agree with you spencer it's not as good as alien <laughs> I'm, with you. I'm with you there the alien does wipe the floor with this movie it's also um, not as
2: good as some of the other ones we're
0: gonna watch later so I think.
2: the other thing that i think this movie doesn't have is it doesn't have any tension
1: yeah
2: per se like you know there is even chucky had this aspect of like you didn't know exactly what was going on and you had that thriller aspect which made you more invested i i had no investment in this movie whatsoever
3: you had no investment in the characters. The only the only compelling character was that first hitchhiker girl who seemed like a like a nice sort of person who's going about life. Everyone else is just like weird, right? It's like you, you, you've got a grumpy girlfriend of 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 a camp um, owner or or uh, guy. You've you've got these horny teens. You've got the goofball guy who scares everyone, right? But it's like yeah. there's nothing compelling about these people. I had to double
1: check that wasn't Dustin Hoffman because he looks so much like a young Dustin Hoffman, that <laughs> little goofball dude. And man, he was insufferable. I don't oh, know that they terrible. want
0: you to care about the character. I don't know that that's what this movie is doing. I don't, I think it's more like you know, it just it's like a fun. Okay, like I'm gonna watch this for an hour and a half and have a good time with it. I mean, I, I everything like here's the thing. Here's what I'm struggling with. It's I, I like the movie, but everything you guys are saying is true. <clears throat> that doesn't stop me from liking it. Like I mean, yeah, I understand
2: exactly so- what you're saying. I guess the other thing about this movie is I understand this as like a date movie. Cause it's not particularly scary. Like there's nothing going on. So you can like talk throughout it, do whatever else it is. You want to do in the sex seems to make a little
0: bit of a weird tension with your date.
2: Yep. Dark movie theater, like, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah. It's a weird kind of thing. Of for, it's a film that's, you know, it almost has an element of like eighties reactionary. Some of the sequels play this up more of where, you know, kids having sex get killed kind of thing. But as you said, it's the perfect snog fest of where you get in, not much happens, you get in the back. <laughs> yeah, what was yeah that? that's the term. Snog fest. <laughs> that's Snoddy a term. in the
2: back of a, of a movie theater. This is where we're going. Um, <laughs> okay. I also want to put in that the cop showing up and just randomly, like, well, not randomly being called away. We pretty much know what that was for. And it's like, you guys aren't smoking any
1: of that reefer, are you? It was a weird dare announcement in the middle of the film.
0: So one thing I liked about this movie is that it like so we had some outdoor scenes in Child's Play, but Mm -hmm. they were clearly on a soundstage.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. this was not
0: this was not and you was clearly shot at night and that that some of the some of the lighting like was more interesting than what you would get in like an 80s or 70s sound. Stage. No, it's true. Yeah. Um, because they shot it outside at night.
2: And a lot of the nature sounds. And I mean, they did have some issues where lighting a single small candle had interesting effects on, on the lighting. But I definitely do agree with you uh, that there was a lot of... They did reasonably well with like the framing and uh, nature that they had to work
3: with. Mm-hmm. Um I think well, it's... except for the fact that it's a full moon, right? Uh, yeah, like and
2: then that would be surprisingly bright.
3: They, but... they, they are relying on a lot of cloud cover, um, and even when the cloud cover passes, apparently light doesn't pass through. I mean, maybe it takes like like twenty minutes for, for light to get, get get from the moon to the Earth, um, but it's <laughs> a, it's a little suspicious. Um, like it's it, the lack <laughs> of lighting is is a thing, um, but it very clearly is like real, right? It seems yeah. real in a sense
0: this, this might might
3: tip off the
2: uh, appreciation that you have for certain game of thrones episodes that some other people are frustrated with
0: oh yeah the long night where people claim they couldn't see it well i look i could see it i understand some people couldn't see it but <laughs> i don't know what to say about that one i'm waving my white flag <laughs> I, enough people have said they couldn't see it <laughs>
1: I'm I'm absolutely with you though when it comes to the idea. They the fact that it was filmed gritty is to its service. The fact that it was filmed on site with what mm-hmm. appears to be natural lighting to a certain degree adds to certain scenes. Like that one scene of when the girl's going out, she hears a child calling, or thinks mm-hmm. the child, and the floodlights come on and the rain's coming down. And it's pitch black outside the floodlights. It, it's not necessarily effective tension, but it's still filmed well to do that. If it was done a bit better,
0: yeah. Floodlights, Yeah, that's what they were using, Spencer. Yeah, that, that, thank you. That, and that's what I think um, creates some like interesting, like, like, uh, Mrs. Voorhees, if I like Mrs. Voorhees, like, yeah. she, she's almost like coming through the darkness almost, like when mm. you see her face. Um, it was a pretty cool effect. One, one thing Beach and I were
1: talking about before we got on is that this film was pilloried. It was hated by some critics to the point that they actually purposely tried to encourage people to harass the actors and uh, producers for it. B.J., with respect to uh, e- uh, Ebert? Siskel, I think. Well, S- Siskel and Ebert as a team, they published the address uh, of the producers and of the lead actress from the boy who played Mrs. Voorhees. I think, B.J., you know, they actually got the act- her-, her address wrong.
0: Yes. And they, so who knows where the hate mail sent. used to be trolls so, uh, what about yeah. that? I didn't know that
1: they wow. wanted, they wanted them to send. They wanted all the people that were watching the program, all the fans to send them hate mail. They wanted to encourage them to tell them how bad they were. This is a horror film. They never do it again, but it's not for any of the reasons we mentioned. It's not, you know, in of production. It's not bad writing. It's not any of these issues is that they deemed it excessively violent and encouraging <laughs> violence.
0: Uh, that that ship sailed what, what, just what, a few what, years after that.
1: But what with, <laughs> with the the reason being is that people will watch this film because they want to see the kids get killed. And my response yeah. to that is, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. that that that's kind of the appeal.
2: That's about that's, right. Yeah, that's,
0: that's, that's yeah, it's war movies.
2: Yeah. Um, and I remember Sisko was a bit more of a stick in the mud than Heber. Um And so like they had like a good back and forth, but
1: they hated this film. Yeah. Um. In terms of, one thing you mentioned was that part of the reason this film is important is that it does set up all the lore for the films that come afterwards. And that is very important. It is factoring into what is not necessarily well executed, but more interesting, I think, back fifth, when Mrs. Voorhees herself shows up and we go into what the motivations of the characters are and what gets this whole started. Mm -hmm. And I think that does deserve credit because it is a vaguely kind of unique motivation compared to some of these other slasher films of where this isn't like, you know, escaped maniac from an asylum. This isn't, you know, a mass murder that people burned alive. This isn't somebody, you know, infe- uh, voodoo spirit infesting a doll. This is just a really pissed off mom who lost her son that's looking for some degree of catharsis for for this crime that was never dealt with. And that's, for a lot of these other slasher films, it feels to me it were kind of a unique way to start.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that the, it sets up, I mean, the, 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 the strength of the film is that it creates the Jason character and gives you just enough backstory that you can then start painting on that palette. Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what the movie is. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to argue with you guys that it's like a super fun watch. Like, I mean, I like, well, I guess I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm not saying that. Correctly. I mean, I understand what you're saying when you say it's boring. Like, I, I do understand what you're saying. But I mean, I still think the movie kind of does what it set out to do. And it spawned, you know, uh, obviously this but, character that they were able to do a bunch of different movies and it became super um, relevant in the cultural zeitgeist. So I don't know. I can't, I, I can't, th- I
1: can't, I can't fault its appeal and I can't fault its success. It made its budget back 100 times over. Yeah, it, ab- it absolutely struck a chord. It, it knew its moment and it came out with exactly what people were looking for. And it does that. I think other films have done it significantly better. I think a majority of the films in this own series have done it better. For, for, for Friday the Thirteenth have done it better, but it starts. The, it starts the ball rolling. And I think this is sort
2: of one of those genres where it takes a little while to really hit the stride of what they're trying to do and and like really clarify their vision. Um, I, and I think it happens a lot in a lot of media where you're not really sure like what what you want to be doing with with the story.
1: Um, well, I think one of the things that this film actually may actually struggle a little bit with is just what you mentioned, is that it doesn't exactly know what box it wants to be in. It's, it's hidden a lot of notes. It's drawn a lot of influence from other films, but it's not entirely clear to itself what it wants to accomplish with this. And I feel like the
2: slasher genre isn't there yet. So it doesn't know that that's what it wants to be.
1: Well, I mean, we're, we're gonna watch, we're, we are gonna watch Halloween. The the, the that got the whole ball rolling here uh, probably even next Halloween
0: yeah, so. two years earlier. I, yeah, it. I understand that they have different backstories, right? But did, I mean, it, obviously the Jason character copied a little from Michael Myers, right? Oh, God, yeah, sure. Like but I mean, no, no, sort no. of like wearing coveralls and like just but, so notably voiceless.
1: not in this film. <laughs>
0: Yeah yeah, 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 but if, I mean that that character eventually. St- I mean, like, because Michael Myers came first, and like, yes, there's the, there's just a lot of overlap. Like, the, look, I'm not a big fan of the Freddy Krueger character. We'll get to that, and and the, the, whenever we <laughs> were Elm that. Street, yeah, I find that to be a little hokey for me. Uh, and I that's after watching this, but um, but it I I, I, do, I will give that character credit for being like distinct, right, and like different. Jason, Michael Myers, a lot of overlap.
2: Mm-hmm. You I mean. A- they talk about like this film was ca- was capitalizing on the success of Halloween. It's just like, yeah, we're basically going to do that, but with a slightly different story. They camp, and yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: and that's, that's, that's okay. Well,
1: unless somebody else have, unless anyone has any further thing to discuss with it, shall we do ratings? What everybody would score this on an A, um, a to F scale?
0: Sure. Yeah,
1: late. Well, you started us off. Give us a rating.
0: Um, I give it a B minus. high praise okay my 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 grades are always higher uh whatever spencer grades it you just curb it up about a grade and a half and you got mine
2: i don't i don't know that spencer's gonna pass this film but but levi i'm curious to hear what you think
3: d minus um this is a this is not that great of a movie um it it has has some interesting parts but ultimately it's too slow um i mean look this is the star wars of, of of horror movies like it's not that interesting um, so
0: yeah, I'm not going to take the bait there.
3: <laughs> Keep going.
2: Um, I, I think the, the, uh, D area is where I'm going to go with, cause there's going to be worse stuff and I have to be able to go lower. Um, but that's probably the only reason that I'm not failing it. So you- uh, like it does have some successes, I guess, you know, with the music, it, you know, was shot on location kind of deal, but I, yeah, there's nothing in it for
1: me. Yeah, I, I I can't fail. I can't. It 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 is a successful film. It is. I only I would only give a failing grade to a film that is literally unwatchable. That is literally like a, a utter failure just from a movie making standpoint. B J's got bad. one ready
0: for you. B J's got one in the chamber.
1: <laughs> we'll we'll get there. Get it's a D. It's my my mind it gets a D rather than like a D minus because it does have its successful moments. It does have its successful draw, even if the overall package is pretty dull and not particularly interesting but it has those little kernels that have become very much better off done in the sequels that will follow
0: george mikan the george mikan of horror movies i mean so my Based question saying, here is thing.
2: can we find a horror movie that is better than ravenous because so far we have not anywhere near crested the, the i think glory we'll get there with ravenous.
0: halloween honestly i okay. think some of us will think halloween <laughs> we're going
1: to try the original Halloween and we're going to try the original nightmare on Elm street. And we'll see how either of those do given that we're going to watch those next. I'm curious to ask have who here has seen both of them or either of them. And how long ago was it?
0: I've seen Halloween many times. I also watched it um, in a film and like analysis class in college. So I'm going to like sound like really smart on this podcast about, about that one. Um, But not, not through anything I've, I've done, but like, I, in part because of that experience but in part just because of like watching other horror, like I like horror movies I really believe that Halloween is a legitimately good movie like I'm not talking about like you know among slasher movies I think if you place it among other good movies it does a lot of like really interesting stuff it creates a lot of like stuff that gets done later from a filmmaking perspective I think Halloween is a legitimately good movie Friday the 13th is successful or not the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is successful Freddy Krueger not my cup of tea
3: Levi uh not in a while if I've seen the, if I've seen them at all. I mean, I, I, I certainly know the characters. I know, the, I know the sort of raw ambiance and I, I know the plot points. Um, I, I, I wouldn't swear on my life that I've seen them actually end in, uh, but I will say that, that Halloween has the the, the highest chance of, of being at rabbits right. It's made by a real filmmaker, right. John mm-hmm. Carpenter is like a, he's a filmmaker. He makes mm-hmm. films, uh, whether you like him or you don't, cause he has some, some, some sort of interesting movies in his, in his catalog. Um, he makes choices um, whereas other folks just try to make money. Right. Um, there's yeah. Uh, as much as I thought that, that in the, the end of uh, Friday, the 13th was, was, was artistic. Um, that was by happenstance, I would, I would imagine, or like, you know, some, some junior film, uh, a cinematographer got an ability to put that in. Everything else wasn't made to be particularly cinematic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Halloween. And I've, again, I might not have seen the original at all. It's very possible jason was so so prevalent growing up I mean, jason jason was the, the the horror villain um he yeah. was the guy i mean he was so important that they literally ripped off his 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 hockey mask you know style for for a ninja turtles character right like that's yeah. it, he clearly is number one
0: um they but i made wrestling characters that had the, the hockey mask on
3: yep
2: future mm-hmm. uh i doubt i've seen them i it, it's possible like i'm again i'm familiar with the characters but I I have not particularly been a fan of the horror genre um, and so yeah it's, it's highly and you know a lot of that's probably because of my parents weren't particular fans so like it didn't filter down when I was younger um, and my friends weren't terribly into horror films either um, and the other thing like when we're talking about you know the original horror films I feel like we should do some Hitchcock at some point, just because sure. like yeah, that's sure. really O.G.
0: Yeah. Uh, so for BJ and, and Levi, you both are a little unsure if you've seen the original Halloween. Do you remember? Does this trigger a memory? If so maybe that might you might be able to identify if you've seen it of first person. They, they, they have a first person like um, shot from Michael Myers. So you see the Michael Myers walking down the street as Michael Myers. Does that trigger anything? I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. So the answer is no. Um, okay. Cause I, I didn't, obviously it didn't work, but like that to me is a very memorable part of the movie is that they actually go into the killer's first person um, and have him like walking up to like, like doors and stuff. And that's like, I don't know. I thought it was a memorable part of the movie. I,
1: no, I'm, I'm quite hopeful for this. It's been at least 10 years since I've seen either, but I have seen both, but like you mentioned, I mean, Halloween's done by John Carpenter, an incredible legendary director. who's done some wonderful horror films. And right i done by Wes Craven, who's also done some great horror films too. Yeah, these, these are actual yeah. quality pieces that I have very fond memories of. And so with either of you, you, know, having that much of a connection to them, I'll be really curious to see what you think of them because Friday the 13th for me, as much as iconic, as much as Jason has just been the image of slashers, of, yeah. of the slasher film genre, he's always to me seemed like a bit of a bargain, bar, bargain basement equivalent of these other two, at least where those other two started.
0: Damn bargain basement equivalent. What shit well, all even, over? I mean,
1: just we, we talked about the comparison between Mike Myers and Jason, that two silent stalking killers kind of thing. And but Carlos. even just, com, just just even compare their outfits and their, their presentation. They're purposely making Jason look a bit seedier and rougher on the edges than they are Mike Myers. Mike Myers is purposely meant to be pristine. It's the white mask. It's the black outfit. It's meant at least in the first film. It gets more shot shit later. But he's meant to be this just uh, this um, almost. He's meta- he's, meant, he's meant to be almost almost more of a metaphysical essence of just a of mur- murderous intent rather than Jason is a slap is is a slasher film.
0: There also, I would say, in my opinion, the and we, the the Halloween movies that do really well are more like based in like the like realism. Like this is just yes. a serial killer. This is just a kid who became a serial killer who has escaped from the insane Asylum and he's just out to kill you. Like Jason always had this sort of like, like, like ghost metaphysical, yeah. supernatural thing going on, which didn't always work for a lot of people. Yeah. But like Halloween to me was more scary because it was like, this is like kind of a thing that could happen. Like it's just a fucking mentally ill person killing people.
1: It also helps for the, both Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street is that they hired a cast. They purposely hired actors to play yeah, the roles.
0: Jamie Lee as opposed Curtis, to like right?
2: put put out an ad for attractive counselors to show up at a camp. Yeah, I mean,
1: I mean the, the original Halloween is Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald pleasants Those are great actors. Jamie Lee Curtis was early in her career. She kind of got
0: get a little cocky kooky later in her career yes she, came she became back. like that like today show drinking wine in the morning kind of I, crazy she, lady
1: she just came back for a fun reboot of the series in halloween that i quite liked too
0: she did and she was so she was so game in that one like yeah. i really enjoyed how she just like went fully into it but anyway obviously we want to talk about halloween uh so you want to do that one next are we cool with halloween next yeah sure, let's do but, it all right anything else we should touch on on the very first friday the 13th movie?
1: i had a lot of fun talking about it Probably more than I had watching it, but it was still still a delight.
2: So I'm final. excited to continue the
1: Saturday morning <laughs> instead of Saturday morning
2: cartoons or, or Sunday morning cartoons, the Sunday morning uh, horror Sun- special.
0: Sunday morning slasher. Okay. All right. Well, final results here is 2B uh, two minuses, 2Ds two for Friday the 13th. I enjoyed chatting about it with you guys. We will be back next time on Manga Watches with the very first Halloween. I look forward to that one too. See you then.